point start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And welcome to episode 111 of Ignition, a podcast for the new evangelization. Um, as always, please feel free to give us feedback. We want your feedback. We, well, we don't need your feedback, but we really like your feedback. You know, wants, needs. You got to keep these things straight. So um, as always, email me, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org, because I am the one who cares. Father does not. Nope, I don't. Nope. Actually, I thought it's because you're going with the email address that rhymed. C B U R G W A L D, as opposed to A D W K R P in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Okay, we're dating ourselves. Uh, Father, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Well rested, happy, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Good, good, good. That's uh. A, important for a priest, but sometimes uh, not common. <clears throat> true, true that, true that. And so, but uh, thanks be to God, uh, doing very well. And yourself, how are you? I'm doing changing pleasantries. fine. <laughs> I'm doing fine. We're in fall now. My kids are waiting for the snow. Yes, I have successfully raised and indoctrinated upper Midwest children. When they heard, Father, I don't know if you, I'm, I'm guessing you may have heard that Northwest Minnesota, uh, I, I think I think also Northeast North Dakota got 14 inches of snow last week, and my kids rejoiced that there was snow in the area. And dear listener, I'm saying that's area with air quotes. Um, but my kids were heard that on the radio. They are very excited. There's snow in the area. Doesn't matter where the snow report is, just so there's a report of snow. Exactly. They were excited. So, um, but things are good. Thanks for asking, Father. Smashing. Hey. Yes. What should we talk about? Hey, how about we talk about how come you're so well rested because you had a week off? I wish I could. Oh, wait, never mind. Uh, no, no. Father, what I want to talk about, you, we had a couple guest um, co hosts last week, John and Renee, talking about the Catechism and the Documents of Vatican II, and they did a great job. Um, but you were, uh, you couldn't be with us because you, with I think most of the priests of our diocese and many of our permanent deacons were together with Bishop Swain for the annual clergy days gathering. And I just thought it might be interesting for um, the the listener, I think, and I think most of our listeners are, are lay, uh, the lay faithful. They may not know, they may have heard of clergy days, know that there's maybe no daily mass for that week every year um, because the priests are all together with our bishop. Um, but I thought it might just be interesting to hear about that. So, Father, what's clergy days? It's a gathering of priests with the bishop. Awesome. <laughs> so what's next? That was a fast podcast. Wow. Yeah, Episode all right. 111. Well, thanks for tuning in to Ignition, a podcast <laughs> evangelization. There and done. 111. Learning how to ask. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, so, yes, yes, asking yes or no questions. Father, are you happy today? Yes. Thank you very much. Um, no, we've talked before, Father, about, uh, I think when we talk about the Chrism Mass and the gathering together of the, the presbyterate in particular there with, with, the, um, with the bishop. But this is, this is something similar and yet very different, obviously. Uh, it's not a liturgy. Obviously, I know there's Mass and, and Liturgy of the Hours, but it's, it's, a, it's a more of a retreat conference-ish thing, right? 
Is that right? Is that what clergy days is for us at least? Yeah, you know, it's 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 a fraternal gathering. Uh, it's kind of like one big long moose lodge. No, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. it's Fraternal gathering, there's education. Uh, we usually have a presenter who does some educational stuff. Then we have some kind of internal page, some opportunities to ask questions of the bishop. Um, and we like, bring in some larger safety community concerns for Eastern South Dakota. So the past couple of years, we've had the Department of Criminal Investigations in uh, to visit with us about different things going on, which has been nice, kind of a little civic responsibility on our part because uh, the church because of our teaching on religious freedom and religious liberty the church is an active part of civic and civil society right and so uh, but anyways um so uh it's really refreshing to me it's uh one of the best things is the education there's three things i like the education because uh, we've had really good presenters the past couple of years then uh and on timely topics and then uh, the uh, chance to talk with the bishop and kind of see what's going on in his world um, and his thoughts, being able to uh, hear from him directly. And then finally, just the fraternity, the fellowship, hanging out with mm-hmm. brother priests. Um, and uh, just as, like, you know, fellow dads know a little more about what fellow dads go through or fellow moms. Sure. And, and the same way fellow priests know a little more of what fellow priests are going through. And so that was just, it's, it's, it's always a very nice thing in that regard. Um, and for me personally, it's really well-timed uh, because usually I've been doing intense outreach for the first, like, last five or six weeks for the start of the school year. And um, now it's a little laid back. Hmm. Yeah, I, the, and I heard that um, – I, I think I heard this right. Priestly participation in terms of attendance at clergy days has been sort of steadily on the increase. And this year was, was one of the um, – Best years in terms of participation for quite some time, which is a good sign. Yeah, very good. And we have a very good turnout, uh, good fraternity, you know, even and in cross generationally as well. I mean, priests that ordained more recently, priests that ordained a while ago. Uh, so, pretty good fellowship in that regard, which is uh, it's really refreshing and really good. In fact, uh, you know, since we, we stay at the hotel, and so we're all kind of around each other in the evening times when the sessions are done, you know, people go hang out and visit one another. and. Uh, I even take the opportunity where uh, I room with a with a brother priest, mm. and so you get to talk in that way and just get some more connections. So it's it's really nice. The I I, uh, I brought the speaker. Maybe we'll get to the, this year's speaker um, briefly. But I, I brought the speaker back to the airport um, on Wednesday morning last week, and and was just chatting with him a little bit. And I commented to him. I, I have a little a little familiarity, secondhand of course, but with with. Um, the presbyterates, the, the priests of other dioceses as well, from um, conversations and friends who I know, and I, and I told this year's uh, presenter that my sense was that we've got a pretty, relatively speaking, a pretty united uh, presbyterate. Um, not necessarily homogenous, definitely not always the same, and there are generational differences and so on. But at least compared to to some of the dioceses. Um, it seems to me that, by and large, um, our priests that, that that fraternal spirit, that that spirit of brotherhood, um, is is uh, evident. Yeah, and I'm really grateful for that. It's a real uh, it's a real blessing here in the Sioux Falls diocese. Yeah. So, uh, 
there are those, you said the three components. What do you do, out of curiosity, um, I presume you say mass together with bishop, um, part of liturgy. How do you, how do you pray together? Uh, we pray the liturgy of the hour. We pray mass together. Uh, we pray morning prayer and evening prayer together, uh, chanting uh, the office. It's really beautiful to have a presbyterate that chants. Mm. Um, it, it, you know, it's been about four or five years where we've been doing this, and it's taken a while for some of the guys uh, to catch on that maybe didn't have that experience is fresh in their minds. I thankfully had that experience recently in seminary and still was kind of familiar. Uh, but that's uh, that, that's a real uh, uh, blessing as well as to be able to, to chant and to pray in that way. Um, and then some, and then we have uh, a holy hour usually one night uh, together. We reserve the Blessed Sacrament on site, and um, mm. it's just it's it's good. Good. One thing that I know, by the way, I, I, this is uh, related to that. I know one of Bishop's announcements that I'm particularly excited about um, is is the conference that we're organizing that for next year. Uh, well, maybe not. He didn't give me any reason not to think so, but I just didn't. No, I think yeah, I believe it is. Okay. But but you know, given that given your question, I think I'll hold off. So stay tuned, dear listener, for an exciting announcement. To come. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's public knowledge. But uh, awesome. Yeah, okay. News. Yeah, yeah. So One we'll talk about that. One and two enthusiastic thumbs up. Amen. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So I'm very excited too. So we will talk about that uh, yet to come. Um, so anything else about Clergy Day's father? Nope. Except my golf game was pretty decent. Uh, what does that mean? I got out to go golfing twice and I did decently well. Good. <laughs> I've got a couple so, of times. Yay. Yay. So that was clear today's that was last week. Um, tomorrow, though, sort of pivoting here, um, tomorrow we have the beginning of something that I'm very excited about. Benny and I are very excited about, actually. We've, we've been planning this for some time. I must say, I just, I'm, I'm upset at the way you just excluded me totally from this excitement. Not even well, or like anything that I might be excited about. But go, go, go right ahead. Uh, I, I didn't exclude you. I said I'm excited, and Benny and I are excited together about this. I didn't say you're not. Don't, you know, come on here. Um, the Year of Faith begins tomorrow, Father, and I am excited, and I'm guessing that you are excited too. Very much so. Why? Well, for one thing, he, uh, Pope Benedict is exercising uh, – the office of uh, the papacy. In Matthew 16, our Lord said to St. Peter that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound on heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so here he's loosing, in that sense, the graces of heaven for this year of faith for the sake of the entire church. You know, and we have had, of course, the great Jubilee, um, 2000, and then we've had... the year of grace, wasn't it? I think he is. And I think we've had three years since then. Um, I think there was the year of the rosary. Uh, there is the year of St. Paul and the year the of the priest or yeah. priesthood. Uh, depends what translation you consult, I think. Anyway, <clears throat> so we've had, to, but it seems to me, I don't know, it, it seems to me that this year is getting a little bit more attention, um, the year of faith, or, or in terms of. Um, how it affects everyday life of, of most Catholics. And I guess that's understandable. We all have faith. Uh, we should all know St. Paul. Uh, we all know priests, um, right. obviously, but somehow, 
Yeah, yeah, high father. Um, <laughs> but but the, the year of faith, I think, is 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 garnering more attention, and 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 I think deservedly so, certainly in, in many ways. I think also, um, though, I think we're more used to this idea of these large yeah. events, and I think as social communication as a church, uh, not just an in institutional sense, but on the grassroots sense, as a church gets better in tune with social communication, we'll better hear about and then actively take part in these sorts of things. Right. Yep. So, so be that as it may, compared to, to years years in the past, um, certainly the year of faith is is central in the minds of many in the church. Obviously, including the Holy Father, um, including our bishop, and I know you and many of of your uh, brother priests in our diocese, and I'm sure elsewhere as well. Um, you know, I, I think. When you look at, we've, Father, you and I have talked before at least once, if not a couple times, about Porta Fide, the document that, that Pope Benedict released a year ago, or that was signed a year ago tomorrow, October 11th, 2011, um, announcing the Year of Faith. We've talked about it before. I just, you know, as we're getting closer, been talking a couple times in some of our parishes a little bit more about it, and, and just struck again by. Um, what a beautiful document it is! I, you know, the Holy Father's talked about um, the the. Uh, he wants us to study a couple things in particular to grow our faith in terms of our knowledge of the faith, the content of the faith, uh, and we'll talk about those. The Catechism, the documents of Vatican II. But I know, um, I know at least well, at least one priest of our diocese uh, who is is planning to begin really the, the, the reflection um, in terms of reading church documents with Porta Fide. Uh, Father Joe Vogel, um, who you and I both know in a particular way, um, Father Joe is 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 going to do um, as I think spiritual director for both of us. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. For me, Father Joe is my spiritual director. I'll say that. Um, so, Father Joe is is leading a discussion, reading and discussion of Porta Fide, and it really is a beautiful document, Father. Um, have you had a chance, by chance, to reread it any time recently? I looked over again uh, just yesterday while I was leading a discussion or a day of recollection at Broomtree on the gift of faith. Yeah, on the gift. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I, I don't want to dwell again on Porta Fide, but just call to mind and propose that maybe for uh, Catholics who aren't ready to jump into the catechism or the documents of Vatican II, that, that you begin or even if you are, still, Porta Fide might be a good way to begin uh, your, the, the year of faith by reading it prayerfully and carefully and reflecting on it and uh, taking some of the gems that are, they're, they're not hidden very deep there, Father. They're pretty much laying on the surface. Yeah, you don't have to mine too deeply. No. So one of the things, uh, the, the Holy Father wants us to grow in our faith, to exercise our faith more, so that we can more effectively share it with others. So the connection here to the new evangelization is, is really obvious. So certainly the synod for the new, Bishop's Synod for the New Evangelization has already begun. It, be, it, it started on Sunday with an opening Mass. Um, they've already gotten into some of the work on Monday, and it'll continue for the next couple of weeks. Um, but, but really... Uh, this year of faith, I think, is is very much in line with with Pope Benedict's desire to make the new evangelization, evangelization in general, um, not just one thing that we do 
as Catholics, as the church, but really to remind us, this goes to the heart of who we are as the church. On Sunday in his um, opening mass homily, he, I don't think it was a direct quote, but, but it, well, he, yeah, it was a quote from uh, one of Paul the Sixth documents, Evangelii Nunciandi, on evangelization. The church exists to evangelize, Paul wrote, and Benedict quoted him saying that. So just a reminder that this goes to the heart of what it means to be a Catholic, what it means to be a Christian. Amen. Amen. Um, so, so why do we? Why are we celebrating this year of faith to, to grow in our faith? And how do you do that? And, we, and you and I, I remember that you and I, when we looked at Porta Fide last fall, we talked about this. There's the two dimensions of the faith: knowing what we believe, the content of the faith, and also knowing the the act of faith, the means by which we believe that content, the means by which we trust in the one who gives it to us. So, the way, Father, that I've been summarizing that is study, which we'll get into in a minute, but then also prayer, uh, specifically this year to pray, maybe an, an act of faith. There are all sorts of different versions of the act of faith, but that's a prayer that, well, I, a question for you, Father. Do you, my experience, my, my own experience, I learned an act of faith um, for my first Holy Communion prep, but since then, it really hasn't been much of my prayer life until just recently I'm teaching it to my kids. Um, and I don't know if a lot of Catholics make the act of faith a part of their 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 regular prayer. What, what's your experience? Um, well, I, I know for myself, I don't have one that I've actively uh, memorized and continually use. Um, the uh, uh, I don't know if I have many. Although I was surprised yesterday, I you I let off praying an act of faith at this day of recollection for opening prayer, and quite a few people uh, joined in at least at least partially. So whether some partial memories, or just people in the crowd kind of assuming what would come next. Okay. Uh, but okay, so so the act of faith, but then also in terms of our prayer, um, Archbishop Reno Fisichella is the the president for the the Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization, and I know he has said, and I think he's indicated it's the Holy Father's desire as well. But Archbishop Fisichella has said that he, he desires. Um, that the the creed become part of our daily life again as well. That the creed is not just something that we that we proclaim that we recite on Sundays, the Nicene Creed in particular, but that it it it, it really is a prayer. I mean, we conclude the creed with Amen. Um, yeah. it, the creed really is a prayer and a desire that we reclaim it as part of, or or make it again, or make it for the first time part of our regular prayer life. Which well, actually, uh, I think. Uh, uh, with all due respect, uh, Archbishop Fisichella received that from me. Ah. Because uh, uh, I usually refer to it when I, uh, um, in the Sunday Mary Solemnity Masses where the creed is properly recited, I usually introduce it by inviting people to pray uh, the faith. Yes. We don't just say it. We pray it. So so that's something in concrete in terms of, okay. Yeah, we don't want to spray the, so. Anyway, um, the concrete things we can do in terms of our prayer life, uh, learn or pray, if you already know one, pray the act of faith, uh, and then uh, memorize the Nicene Creed and pray. And Father, I don't know, but just out of curiosity, um, I'm really having a hard time. I finally got the Nicene Creed pretty much memorized, but to keep it, because it begins with I now in the new translation, to keep it distinct from the Apostles' Creed, when I start, I, I'm, I'm going to have to relearn both, I think. Well, I, I usually just kind of keep them straight by what they say. 
<laughs> That's wow. That's deep, man. <laughs> Whoa. I know, but when you don't have the text in front of you and you're starting the rosary, just because I've been focusing on the Nicene Creed lately in my own prayer, I, I find myself going Nicene instead of going Apostles, if you know what I meant saying. I, I, I dig you. I hear you. I hear you. All right. All right. All right. So, so in terms of your prayer life, uh, that's something that I would propose. And then study um, Vatican II documents and the Catechism. And we've talked about, well, definitely Vatican II recently. I don't know if we've ever spent a podcast, an episode on um, that cate the catechism. That might be an idea for the future. But, Father, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm struck again um, by what the Holy Father says in Porta Fide about the catechism. Just one of my favorite quotes from Porta Fide, um, that when you're reading the catechism, um, it, it's not just intellectual abstract theory. He says, on page after page, what you find that we find that what is presented here is no theory, but an encounter with a person who lives within the church, person with a capital P. So I just love that how when we when we when we study the catechisms and when we read it prayerfully and carefully, um, it, it's not just about head knowledge, but it's about coming to know and therefore more able, more capable of loving Jesus Christ and sharing Him with others. Amen. Um, so I, what, a couple of things concretely that, that I'm doing as a resource to the people of our diocese and obviously anybody who can get on the internet is creating a glossary. I've had a couple people, uh, we talked about this last week, Father, uh, John and Ray, for, for me, John uh, is reading the Doctrines of Vatican II for me and Renee is reading the Catechism for me and then they're underlining everything that they don't understand or that's... Um, Hard, yeah, hard to understand. And then I'm creating an online glossary at the website for people to go to and figure out what the heck this word means in the Catechism or Vatican II, just as a way to hopefully encourage people to be able to read uh, both sets of texts. Which point of, uh, of discussion uh, 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 and, and just kind of pulling things out almost like a, a thread from a sweater. Um, you can just kind of unravel things and allow them to develop and, and, and to just kind of pull that richness out in that way. So it's quite nice. Yeah. So um, I, I would encourage people, if, if, if you're concerned about um, uh, being, if you're intimidated maybe by either the Documents of Vatican II or the Catechism, um, don't be. Regular Catholics are able to read them and make sense of them, and, uh, and you can too. And a couple of things I'd point to. Um, I've given presentation. I gave a presentation last month on Vatican II. That's online. If you go to www.sfcatholic.org/newevangelization, you can find that um, that that uh, presentation. And then soon I'll be giving another one on the Catechism as well. So, so a couple of resor audio resources for people to get an introduction to to both Vatican II and to the Catechism. But again, the whole, all of this is just to encourage people to take up these documents. Take up and read Tole et Lege, right, Father? <laughs> yep, Tole et Lege, take and read. Take and read, St. Augustine. Um, Father, what are you doing? Uh, anything particular come to mind at, at either the Newman Center or at your parish in White that you're going to be doing? Either in the immediate future or sometime down the road for the year of faith? Well, uh, one thing is uh, already the Newman Center already started uh, teaching a class on the creed. 
using the catechism as a text. The catechism uh, itself has four sections, uh, the creed, the sacraments, the moral life, and prayer. And so teaching a class on uh, the creed based from the catechism, and actually, of all things, uh, uh, teaching that together with a Wesleyan minister in town who loves the catechism. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. And then uh, uh, looking to bring in a speaker or two, and as well as um, was, uh, with kind of the engineering science mind here at SDSU, uh, looking to bring in a uh, is a movie uh, called, uh, I don't remember the name of it right now, but you might know, Father Elliot Spitzer. It's a documentary. Oh, yeah. Documentary yeah, yeah. about creation, faith, and science and how they all work together. And so, again, it's very well done, very well produced, uh, some wonderful world-class, even um, uh, prize, uh, award-winning scientists uh, speaking about the relationship between faith, creation, and science. And so, very excited for that. Great. One other thing uh, besides that thing which shall not be named right now that I'm excited about for the year of faith, and Father, you and I have talked about this privately, and I'm excited to be able to confirm it, um, although there's an important piece of information missing. What the heck is he talking about? Um, one of the events at the global level that's being planned is is going to be on Corpus Christi um, in 2013, obviously during the Year of Faith. Corpus Christi traditionally falls on a Thursday, but in many parts of the world, of course, including the United States, it's transferred by the bishops to uh, the following Sunday. So next year, Corpus Christi will fall on June 2nd, 2013. Um, and what the Holy Father is desires, uh, the Holy Father desires that that uh, churches around the world, cathedrals and parishes around the world, uh, join him for an hour of of a holy hour, an hour of Eucharistic exposition and adoration. Um, and and that uh, what's particularly notable about this, um, I, I heard about this this summer. Um, frankly, had a hard time believing it. What the Holy Father's desire is that this be, do this be done simultaneously with him. Um, so say, for instance, the, the piece of misinformation that we don't know is when he's going to do this on June 2nd. But let's, let's just say um, that he, has, he celebrates this holy hour at 7 p.m. Rome time. So for us here in the central United States, that'd be noon our time. His desire is that simultaneously with him, we have a holy hour at the same time. So around the world, um, we'd have a coordinated simultaneously, simultaneous hour of Eucharistic exposition and adoration. And that's never happened before in the history of the universe, Father. Which is just stinking awesome. Yeah, it is. It's that's just incredible. Um, and again, the, the the tricky thing here is, um, it, it's going to be. I, I honestly, I, I I would not expect that every parish will be able to do this. Obviously, parishes where where a priest has multiple parishes, that can't happen in every place. And say um, it happens to fall during the middle of Sunday morning mass, that's going to complicate things. So that's just that's what the Holy Father is desiring. This it's not a in any way a mandate, um, but but. In so far as possible, I think, and regardless of, of, of those complicating factors, this is going to be a powerful event in the history and life of the church, I think. Very much so. I, and, just, and, and one of the things, though, too, is that we may not know the true fruits of them until much later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that. <laughs> I've said that. Anyway, I'll I'll stop blabbering about that right now. Anything yeah, well, else about again? It's it's uh, it's the radical belief in the power of prayer. That prayer really does mean something exactly. to the eyes of this world. The eyes that don't look with the eyes of faith. You look and I, I out and see um, uh, uh, that it doesn't seem like on the knees in front of some wafer-looking thing and I badly brassed or gilded container, you know, but intense spiritual fruit that will flow from that event that just uh, boggles the mind to even think about. It does. And as you said, I mean, whether we'll see the fruits of that in our lifetime or not, I mean, yeah, it will be an intense spiritual event that will have powerful repercussions for the universe, again, to be, uh, that's not hyperbole, that's the reality. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's real so, reality. That's the real reality. As opposed to, as opposed to the fake reality. reality. Exactly. Yeah. So, on this very uh, uh, eloquent note, uh, I think we'll draw this this episode to a close, Father. Any any closing thoughts? I don't believe so. No. All right. Looking forward to the year of faith. Yep. So so we we start tomorrow. Um, Hopefully by the time you hear this, or it may have begun already. In any case, take part, participate in this year of faith, exercise your faith, learn your faith, share your faith. We'll be back next week with another episode of Ignition. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignition. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future topics, you can email me at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. That's C-B-U-R-G w-a-l-d at sfcatholic.org Again, thanks for listening.